0: Hey, hey, y'all. Welcome to the Vagisteam podcast. It's Vanessa here, and you know we're having courageous conversations about love, sex, and everything in between. And before we get into the episode, I just wanted to remind you to follow Vagisteam on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Send me a message. You can email me at vagisteam at gmail.com. You can also text me at 443-692-7802. And there are a few ways that you can contribute to the podcast. Because remember, it is just me right here. It's a one-woman show. I got to edit. I got to produce it. I got to market it. I got to put it out there. I got to make it good so that you'll listen. So you can contribute um, by telling a friend or two or five. You know what? Host a whole podcast listening party. You can... Also, contribute to the podcast by throwing some coins. Um, When you go on vagisteam.com, there is a donation tab. And throw whatever coins you want into there because we got to pay to host the podcast and also keep the website running and put on the events that you love. So whatever you got, throw it in there. I'll appreciate that. Also, you can follow the podcast and make sure you leave a review on Apple Podcasts, especially Uh, leave a review wherever you can. Uh, But the more that you leave reviews, the more that other people can find the podcast and the more that we can spread this Vagis theme. Lastly, Vagis theme is on tour. So if you work at a college, go to a college, have a group, want me to come to your city and host Sex Trivia, which I've done... Hit me up at vagisteme at gmail.com. I want to be in your city and I want to spread this vagisteme with you. I hope you have a great week. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I want to hear how much you enjoyed the episode and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Okay, ladies, <laughs> now let's get information. I Okay, ladies, now let's get information. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Team Podcast. It's Vanessa here, and you know we're having courageous conversations about love, sex, and everything in between. Back on the show, we have i'm I'm gonna say you're a fan favorite because your <laughs> show your show got a lot of like questions and just a lot of conversation going and then like people were commenting on the episode. so. A, fa- uh, a oh. fan favorite, a listener favorite, Dr. UC is back on. Hey! Hey, booze. What's <laughs> up? How is everyone doing? I'm mean, so excited I- to be back. <laughs> I'm going to speak for everybody. I think we're doing all right. I think we're doing okay. Yeah? Yeah? <laughs> everyone's everyone's handling it, getting ready for the holiday season. <laughs> so i have you back on um because a lot of the questions that i get or that i've been getting in the last few months has been around painful sex and so i thought about who would be the best person and i knew who the best person was it was you of course to come on and like talk to us about what the hell is going on so i'm so glad you're back on
1: I am so glad that I'm back on to talk about one of my favorite topics and one of the things I treat on basically a daily basis. So
0: thank you. Oh, great. Okay. So let's get right into it. So how do you define painful sex?
1: Um, Well, painful sex is sex that you're having with yourself or someone else or other people where pain is experienced where you don't want pain to be experienced. Mm. Mm. And, you know, that can be defined by many things. It can be defined during the arousal phase. It can be defined during the penetration phase, Mm. the genital touching phase. You know, it's, that's how I define painful
0: sex. Absolutely. So what, since, since this is one of your favorite topics and something that you Mm -hmm. may see a lot in your practice, what contributes Mm -hmm. to it? I think a lot of the people who are coming to me and who are coming to me after workshops and, you know, are writing, you know, writing DMs and stuff, they think it's a flaw with them. And so I, you know, I feel like there's a bunch of, you know, reasons why this may be happening. But I think the, the mainstream thing that I keep hearing is like, oh, your partner's just like, not doing stuff or your body's terrible. And I think there's a lot of negativity associated with, um, you know, around like why this is happening. So can you tell us why, what is going on? Why is this happening to some of us?
1: Well, that is the million dollar question. Mm -hmm. I I
0: know that's actually the trillion dollar question. Right. Right.
1: When (laughs) I see patients they are like, why is this happening? I want to know why it's happening so I can cure it. Yeah. And, you know, I always tell people that that's, that's, that's a great question, but I don't know if we should always start there. Mm. Right. Um, Because we have to kind of, we have to acknowledge what we're going through and it's not a matter of like accepting, you know, God, pain is going to be a part of my sex life forever. Mm. But sometimes people get lost in the pursuit of why. Versus the pursuit of okay, how do I treat this? How do I move forward? This is this is now a reality in my life,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I want to I want to yes understand where it comes from, but then I also want to understand you know why it's repeatedly hap- repeatedly happening. Mm-hmm. I understand. I want to understand how my sexual how my sexual experience needs to be is is impacted by this. Mm-hmm. And how do I need to understand my sexual self so I can make the make the changes I need to make pleasure the central aspect of my sex life versus pain right. and i trying to reframe that concept is really important, and then also acknowledging the shame that comes with it yeah but i i because I, I tell people the reason I say that is because girl, there are a thousand reasons <laughs> why people have pain with sex mm. and I can spend. My entire day listing out the potential reasons for one patient, right? It can Mm -hmm. be endometriosis. Mm -hmm. It can be, you know, childbirth. It can be back pain. Mm -hmm. It can be hip pain. It can be the fact that your bladder is, um, that you have bladder pain. Right? Mm. Um, It could be because you have some autoimmune disorder that has caused your entire nervous system to get upregulated. You because it could be caused by fibromyalgia, right? Right. You see what I mean? So I could list off a thousand reasons why, you know, there's not just one thing that causes pain, penetrative pain or sexual pain or arousal pain, um, with people who identify as women, right. Or people who have vaginas and uteruses. Right. And I, I think that that's, that's one thing is that they could be a smorgasbord of things. And, and the fact is, right. That once the pain becomes chronic, meaning once it persists past the three month mark, that's chronic pain. Mm. Even if we got rid of the initial driver of your pain, your pain will still persist because you have laid down the concrete and the cement in terms of the pathway of this new way that your body is perceiving that sexual act. Right. And so now we have to re- retrain the brain to say, yes, yeah, sex is good. Sex is safe. It's not strange or danger. You're not being chased by a bear. Mm. And that's how your body is perceiving sex- sexual activity.
0: Ooh. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you hit on... Okay, well, number one, I didn't know all of those things. That mm-hmm. So that opened the door for me because when folks are coming up to me, it's mostly around like, I don't want to use lube. Or like, what's wrong with my walls? Or, you know, all of these different, right. you know, I think very on-the-surface, quick-fix things um, but I also feel that the reason why we're just into the quick fix is because we're being silenced about it. And I also feel silent about it, but I also feel like we're being silenced. And when I was doing research for, um, this episode, they were saying that painful sex, um, is actually like a very common, like, as in like, three to 18 percent of people like globally may experience it but they also the first thing that comes up on google is it's a common but neglected female health problem
1: absolutely it occurs in one in four women get the heck out of here
0: one in four
1: one in four so it's incredibly common that no one talks about there's so much shame surrounding surrounding it and part of it i mean this is the thing that kind of really frosts my cookies, guys. It's <laughs> the it's, 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 we could women could people. Let me rephrase yes. that. People, if we just did better job of educating human beings, children about their bodies, yes. about the pelvic floor, about what how nerve pain can kind of present like a UTI, mm-hmm. right? like burning in your vagina, irritation in your vagina. A lot of people think, oh, I have a UTI. There's no way it could be a nerve pain. There's no way it could be muscle. It's like, chick, it's nerves because you have a negative. Your urine culture is negative. <laughs> like right. You don't have BV. You don't have chlamydia. You're, you, know, you do not have an STD. This is pelvic floor dysfunction. This is pelvic pain. Right. If people knew what was going on right. south of the border, below the navel and above the knees, right, then they would be so much more informed in terms of figuring out what was going on. Right. Because there's so much shame surrounded with our genitals, even if you're having sex. Right. Mm. You could be having all of this sex. But the minute something goes wrong, it's like, oh, you know, I'm going to keep I'm going to keep it close to me. Yeah. Right. I'm I'm, going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to you know, I'll, I'll go to urgent care real quick and see what, what pills I need to take. It's like, no, no, no. There's no shame in being sexual. There's no shame in having the body that you have. And there's no shame in when something goes wrong, mm. right? And, and a lot of times, I, I mean, honestly, I spend most of my first session with patients educating them about the pelvic floor anatomy, educating them about pain, the difference between acute pain and chronic pain, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And then having them say, okay, like... I asked them, I said, tell me what brings you in to see me today. Right. And I let them free talk, right, and say, this is my experience. Then I educate them. And then I said, okay, now that you know about all these pieces, how about we retell your story?
0: Right.
1: What do you think is going on? Because then if you put the power back in the hands of the patient, of the individual, which all of you are doing by listening to this podcast, then you can actually help to direct and drive your treatment process, which mm. can be amazing because
0: you have more buy-in. hmm you know, and, and it can be so, so empowering. Right. So why do you think as, like you just said, one in four, that is so, that is a lot of people. And I cannot recall how many, I I don't know. It seems very small. I don't know how many conversations I've had with good friends about, about like pain during sex. So why do you think people are being silent or not speaking up about their experience?
1: I think it's scary when something goes wrong with you, mm. right? I think it's really scary. I think that that's one thing. Um, I think that because so many people stay silent about it, they might bring it up to their girlfriends, and their girlfriends may say, well, I've never had that. Mm-hmm. Or, that or they normalize it, right? Yeah. It's, kind of, it's, it's just like urinary incontinence. Yeah. Right. So many women have urinary incontinence. So then you go to a group of women and you say, "Oh, you know, I just started leaking," and they're like, "Welcome to the club." <laughs> so they normalize this dysfunction, which delays women from actually getting treatment because peeing your pants is not normal. Right. It's very common. It's very common. Yeah. It doesn't make it normal. Right. 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 And so that I think that's part of the culture, um, you know, particularly when it comes to women. Right. right. I think that. A lot of times, when women do approach their healthcare providers, the healthcare provider is poorly informed about pelvic floor pain. Mm. So a lot of women will get the whole concept of, "Oh, you just need to be less rigid. You mm. need to relax. You need, mm. a, you need a glass of wine." And it's like, "Nah." <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> if your doctor that. says that to you, or your nurse pr- practitioner, or your midwife, if they say that to you, then go find somebody else who will take, who will listen to you and do a proper exam and. Walk you through the process, the right. next steps of getting you properly evaluated. Right. That is your right. Your health care. is a right, mm-hmm. not a privilege, right? And it is your right to have pain-free intercourse. Whew. Pleasure is your birthright. My colleague, Elisa Bokeen, the co-founder of Melanin and Mental Health, says that all the yes. time. Yes. Pleasure is your birthright.
0: I love mm-hmm. it. I love it. I, you <laughs> know. So it's, it's funny, but not funny, but it's interesting because like, this is this whole thing about like having these courageous conversations and just like, having conversations with other women and women talking to each other is the whole basis of this podcast. And that's why I often love for people to like share their stories. And I ask people to send their, send in their, their uh, audio clips, because it's so powerful to hear someone say, like, I'm not the only one, or I'm going through this too. And I know for me, this, this very topic resonated with me, I think like, a month and a half ago, I messed up my birth control. So I take, I'm on the pill. I messed right, it up. Right. I messed it up. So I was like not doing, you know, 9 p.m. is my time. And then I started doing the whole like, oh, uh, it's midnight or like it's the next day. I started, I messed it up. Messed it up so much so when I was doing continuous cycling, so much so that like my body was like, okay, you want to keep messing. Okay, fine, fine. You're going to bleed. We're going to let you bleed. You're bleeding. You're bleeding. So I was just <laughs> bleeding and spotting. And I was being so like, I don't want, I don't want, I don't want to stop taking it. I just, I don't want to bleed right now. And so my body right. was like, okay, well, this is the consequence. Like you didn't stay up on your stuff. So we're going to let you spot and bleed for a whole like three mm-hmm. weeks. Right. And mm-hmm. so after, after I just let my body do its thing, I just re I, like to hit the reset button. I noticed that everything was so dry down there, like everything. Yes. And yes. I was like, you know, first night trying to get back in the groove. I was like, oh, you, you know what? I need lube, lube, lube. That's right. It. That's mm-hmm. it, lube. And that wasn't working, so then I was like, "You know what? I need, I need, I, I need coconut oil. You know what? Coconut oil. I are mm-hmm. gonna go slather some coconut oil, and everything, right? <laughs> everything is gonna, everything is gonna go right back to to where it was. And then right. I started getting freaked out because I felt like everything was sticking, and it was like the most." terrible feeling and I like because I've never experienced it before I didn't know uh-huh. what was happening so again like you just said I was drinking water and I was like you know what I'm not yeah. lubricated yeah. inside enough so you uh-huh. know what? I'm like, drink my water and then I was like okay wait water's not working coconut oil's not working I feel like my walls are sticking I feel like my lips are sticking together like what the hell is happening and I realized like my hormones were out of whack. I realized I needed to, like, you know, let everything just, like, get back into the groove, but I found myself getting frustrated with myself, and then I found, now, then I understood, like, oh, my gosh, like, this is, not to compare my issue with anyone else, but, like, the pain that I felt trying to have sex while my hormones were out of whack and I was feeling super dry and nothing was working it was just like, oh my gosh, like people are walking around with this every single day and not yes. saying anything. And from what when I started talking to like my colleagues and coworkers about it, because I was like, can someone I need someone to help? Like what's happened? Like I I need and not knowing so, until my coworker was like, Girl, your hormones are all out of whack. Like it's gonna be okay. Like give yourself yeah. some time, be patient with yourself. But then I had other coworkers and colleagues and friends who were like, oh, my God, I deal with that all the time. I'm over 50. My doctor told me to just, like, that's it. That's just the way it's going to be. No, no, no.
1: Yeah, and it makes me
0: think, like, you know, I'm, like, think, like, you know, whatever. For me, it was, like, I, Mm -hmm. you know, everything resumed back within a week, and I was freaking out, you know. But for those folks who this is not their just week off of, you know, you know, they're weak off where their body is feeling off. This is literally their lives and everybody and everything around them is telling them to just suck it up. And then what I find also is that like, I had older folks coming to me just saying like, oh girl, you feel that? Well, I feel that too. But my doctor told me like, I just need to add more lube. And then I realized there was like an age issue here too. So not only are we dealing like what you're saying with like you know, your doctors are telling you that you're rigid or this and that, but then you factor in age where doctors are just not even trying to explore because they're like, well, you're old. Sorry, girl. Right.
1: <laughs> right. I hear you. I think the thing about it, what's interesting is that you talk about your hormones being out of whack, yeah. right? And this happens to a lot of women throughout the lifespan, yes. right? Whether you're postpartum and your estrogen stores aren't in the toilet and your vagina is drier than the Sahara. Right, and you're you're breastfeeding, sleep deprived, or you could be peri your postmenopausal, right? And everything was fine, your train was moving along, and then all of a sudden it get off gets off the rails, and you're like, what is going on with my vagina? Right. Like, why is it that sex is so uncomfortable? Why is everything so dry? Right. Why am I itchy? You know, right. why
0: does it feel burning down there? Oh, it's terrible.
1: And. It's it's really difficult, but I think that one thing that I, I think I would like everyone to know is that you need an ally in this. You yes. know, whether it's a partner, whether it's a healthcare provider, you need an ally to completely support you in this pursuit of taking care of yourself and making sure that you are getting the proper care. Right, right. Because I think that, and and it takes a lot of audacity, which, which I'm I myself as a healthcare provider, I'm learning to do that for my own health. It mm. is not a natural thing. It, it is it is work right. and effort to to pursue this. But it is it is your right to do that. Right. And, and a lot of women are, it, there's so many options out there, right? It could be your diet. You could, like, I mean, I've had patients she completely change their diet. They change their birth control. Right. They they get, you know, topical estrogen, right, mm-hmm. which is different than systemic estrogen, right? If mm-hmm. you take the pill or, or have a patch, that goes through your whole system. But for some people, they just need more estrogen in the vaginal area, right? And depending on your healthcare provider and what your evaluation says, They can prescribe that, and that could be just what the doctor ordered. You never know, right? And there are a lot of reasons why these occur. You know, for some women, they may have, um, for example, you have a condition called vulvodynia, right, Mm. which is, burning or itching or pain in the vulva area or the vestibule. And we define it as um, this burning that has no known cause, right? That's vulvodynia. Damn. And it's, it's either primary or secondary. Primary means the minute you start your menses, that's when you start having this pain, right? Mm. Even, you know, For some women, not even sexually active yet, and they're like, man, I have pain burning down there, mm. right? And some people get it's secondary, so they develop it later in life after some inciting event, um, like they had a fall or they had a really stressful you know, divorce mm. or they, they had a baby and, and then you though but there are two different ways to treat those two different types of vulvodynia, mm. right? Sometimes vulvodynia can be provoked only. So basically it only occurs when you have sex. Some women it's unprovoked. So it just kind of, happens willy-nilly you could be walking along fine and then boom you're in pain and so so again this is there's a wide range of pelvic pain out there especially sexual pain with multiple different approaches to managing it
0: wow damn you know what Doctor? you see every time i talk to you i just (laughs) no i just appreciate i just appreciate this conversation because even with my tiny experience i just like, got it. Like I understood it. Cause I was just like, well, what do I do? Where do I go? Who do I talk to? Is this a big deal? Is this, am I blowing this out of proportion? I can't even imagine other folks with vaginas, like how they could be feeling, especially if it's chronic for them. And it's
1: incredibly isolating. Yeah. I, I can tell you from my, from, from my patient's perspective, it's incredibly isolating. Yeah. Um, And especially if it's compounded with embarrassment and shame and confusion and fear, that can, and and you can be, everyone says, oh, you know, I'm educated, I'm this. It doesn't matter what walk of life you are in. It doesn't matter how successful you are. This can knock you on your, on your bottom. Ugh, right, right, and and having you know compassionate care, and and when I say compassionate care, meaning whether it's the way you care for yourself or compassionate care from your healthcare providers right. and supporting, supporting partners, right. that that is super super important.
0: Yeah, uh, and I think you bring up something really key about um about the partners piece because. Mm-hmm. If we don't have a partner that's willing to, depending on what the, like you're saying, course of treatment is or whatever, like, who don't care. If you have a partner that's just like, I want this out of you and like trying and like pushing you there, you you don't even have room to heal um, when you have a, a, a partner that doesn't care or doesn't care to learn about, you know, taking it slow with your body or just, you know, if this is something new to reframe how they might be, you know, pleasuring you, et cetera. I just feel like that is such an important piece that I feel that we often um, neglect. And I think things that I've heard from training clinicians, sometimes they want to focus in on the patient so much, but they don't think about all the other factors that go into a patient's life, like such as like, how do I communicate this to my partner? How do I sit down with my partner? How do I build the self-efficacy to be able to say to a partner, like, listen, things ain't like they used to be <laughs> and we got to take it slow. So I think that's just such a, uh, a factor in this that has been overlooked and that we don't even, that we don't even consider a lot of the times.
1: Yeah. And I will say that I really would love for people to kind of put this in different categories, right? Because you might have pain. Where the cause is purely physical. Like mm. there are a lot of women where all they need is a set of dilators mm. and some proper instruction and lubricant, and they're good. Right. You have some women where there's a lot of physical causes, but then there's some kind of psychological, emotional causes mm. that have to be addressed. So if you just focus on the physical without addressing the psychological component, you're not gonna get the results. And you have some women where it's physical, psychological, and sociocultural, right? Like <laughs> they right. may be dealing with a lot of um, social stressors. It could be that their sexuality, their their race, right. The, right. you know, their their immigration status. Yeah. That stress alone can impact their pain threshold. Damn right. right. Right, and their 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 whole nervous system is just upregulated, kind of like I'm saying, guys, being chased by a bear. So yes, they might have the they might have vulvodynia, you know, and they might have anxiety. But then on top of that, they have this other big social cultural structure mm-hmm. that's kind of pressing on them. And that's also going to make for a, you know, heightened pain experience. Right. So understanding the factors that go that are in your life and how they potentially are contributing and how they potentially are not contributing right. is also a really important piece for people to to really work on yeah. and understand.
0: Definitely, definitely. So okay, we something that I absolutely love about you is that you're always advocating. For patients to advocate for themselves. So yeah. we're here, we have we understand that there is pain, we have gotten to the point where we're not trying to be silent about it anymore, and we want to get help. Like the pain has gotten too much or too annoying. Right. So what's our first step? Like, what do we do? How can we navigate our health care? And how and do we have if we have a doctor that might not be be as woke on these things. What are some treatments that we can start to think of besides some of the things that you already mentioned when it comes to trying to navigate all this?
1: The first thing is you need an evaluation. You need a proper medical evaluation. Mm -hmm. That is hands down the top priority, especially if you have access to healthcare or to a free clinic, you need to be evaluated. Yeah. They need to make sure that everything is on the up and up with you and your body. They need to make sure that, you know, there isn't any other component that can be contributing to this. You need a proper evaluation. So that can be from a uh, primary care provider mm-hmm. who is specializes in women's health. It can be an OBGYN. Right, that can do that. Mm. Um, a specialist would be ideal. So, a urogynecologist. So, this is a gynecologist who has fellowship training in female pelvic reconstructive um, medicine. Damn. So, the urogynecologist, okay. yes, is has well training in urology as well. So, they're going to be actually one of the best people. To see in regards to evaluating this and prescribing the right medications or referring you to physical therapy if need be. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Another option would be a urologist that specializes in female pelvic medicine. You can find a lot of those in a lot of the ma- many, many, many major cities, and so that is also a great option. So I would start there with making sure that you get a proper medical evaluation and then go to physical therapy. I know I'm biased because I am a pelvic health physical therapist, <laughs> but. I have to tell you, a lot of the patients, one of the things that I hear time and time again is they said, I wish I saw you 15 years ago. Right. Can you imagine living with sexual pain for 15 years Ch- and then finally going to a healthcare provider who refers you to physical therapy and after 4 months you experience 80% improvement.
0: Ch- Listen. Never. That to me
1: is insane. Like why 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 spend fifteen years struggling and suffering? Right. You know, when they're saying when they're saying I mean, and many of my patients have said, Man, if I knew it only took four months
0: of work with you, I would have done this in my early twenties when all this started. Right. See here's the thing though. Do to to sorry to interject right there. We're going no, to get right. Interject, back, interject. Right back to what you were talking about. I feel that I feel that a lot of people don't know about y'all though. Like Yeah. What yeah, is yeah. what is that? Like <laughs> Like do OBGY. I don't know. I don't know what it is. You know, I, I stopped doing pre-med a long time ago. I couldn't handle it, Doctor. You see, I just I couldn't. <laughs> Once I got to physics, I said, Girl, you know I what? Feel you. <laughs> I said, you know what? I near I almost got through this molecular biology. I can't do it. I can't do it. So <laughs> I don't know what like just th- take the wheel. <laughs> I understand. You know, my I mom stopped see talking to me this. for two months when she found out I stopped doing pre-med. So you know, I oh, don't you know what happens in uh, medical school. And I don't know about the communication about cross disciplines, but I just feel like I, the only reason I know about you and your work is of course the internet, but two, I learned about pelvic floor physical therapy from my best friend who, who got it and who, you know, was like, I need to see one of these people after she had her baby. And, you know, she was doing research as well. And, I just feel like not enough people know about y'all, enough enough for people to be referred to y'all. So what's that all about? Well,
1: I think that's also, I, that's a very good question. I wish I could give you a very strong answer. I think part of it is the specialty hasn't been around that long. I see. Right? Okay. Uh, in comparison to the, me- to the global medical community that's mm. been around for hundreds of years, especially if physical therapy was first recognized in the 70s. Right. And then we changed our name, for, particularly for the American Physical Therapy Association, we changed our name to the Section of Women's Health in 1995, and now we are currently going through a name change to be more gender inclusive.
0: Right.
1: Now, and so that's part of the problem. And then, you know, when you think about the stats, from a, when you're looking at a board-certified pelvic health physical therapist, right. now this is just through the American Physical Therapy Association, there are only about 400 in the country. Who have board certification, which is basically saying that they've taken an exam to demonstrate an expertise in pelvic health. Oh, wow. Now there are there are thousands of other pelvic health physical therapists that don't have the certification who are just as excellent. Mm. But that's just to give you guys some give you some context because there aren't a lot of us out there in comparison to the general population. So that's also partly why you're not hearing about it. That's so not everyone's first go-to. They're thinking, mm. let me go to the doctor. They're not thinking, let me go to the pelvic health PT. Right. Burning pain, right? Mm-hmm. We might do traditional uh, physical therapy approach where the, the in your in your hip and spine. Mm-hmm. So we're going to make sure that we rehab your hip and spine. And for some of my patients, when we just simply focus on that issue, it minimizes their pelvic floor pain and the pain they have with sex wow right for some women they might need some spinal injections or what we call trigger point injections into the pelvic floor or in the abdominal muscle wall that help to minimize that nerve pain that they're feeling into their vagina and or vulva or anus and so like i said you're like whoa there's a lot of treatments And yeah. it's a wide range because it depending on what you present with it could be something as simple as lubricant or topical estrogen and PT or yeah. as advanced as we might need to do Botox injections into your pelvic floor. Get
0: the heck out. What? Okay. mm mm-hmm. Okay. All right. The L- wide range. Just something that you just said. What? Like, do we can we go to a pelvic floor physical therapist without having any pain, like just maintenance? Like, Hey, I want to learn how to flex these muscles. Okay, (laughs) Absolutely. Because that's something that you have to do. You
1: have to make sure you educate yourself about it. You can go to a physical therapist. They can evaluate you and be like, okay, let's, let's get these muscles coordinated. Let's get these muscles stronger. And one thing I also want to add is that, when you're treating um, sexual pain, I always tell people that um, we don't operate best in silos, right? We operate best in teamwork makes the dream work. And in order to manage sexual pain, you will do best in a multidisciplinary setting, meaning, you know, yes, if you see a urogynecologist, let's say you're seeing a urogynecologist, but you also want to have a physical therapist on your team. You might want to have a healthcare provider on your team. Right. You may, may do yoga, acupuncture, all of the things, like making sure that you're getting people to address all aspects of your life and health to make sure that you have the best, um, best success in your, in your pursuit of treatment. So sorry, I digress. I just no,
0: wanted to put that out. No, there. no, I appreciate. That's what I, I'm going. I think I'm going. You know, because I mean, from the time that you talked to me before, I've been kind of like, all right, flex, flex out. Like, you know, I've been, I've been trying to work. I've been trying to work. Yeah, like, squeeze, squeeze, right, squeeze, right, right. squeeze, <laughs> squeeze. But of course, right? resting. Of course, resting. Because we're not trying to go into Kegel overload. So, cool. No, all right. No. I have one last question. Okay. Yes. Two, two more questions. But and then I'm and then I'm done with. So, yeah. all right. We talked about navigating the treatments. We navigated the healthcare system. Now, how do you suggest we navigate our sexual slash uh, pleasure experiences? Well, girl, I mean, do you have another hour? I mean, <laughs> I, phew, listen, we could talk all day. I'm just playing.
1: <laughs> I mean, this is my favorite question. Um, I, you know, I always tell people that you first want to start with pleasure mapping yeah. and pain mapping. Ooh. Right. So typically when you fig- when you come to a physical therapy or to a doctor, they're going to have you give you a body map and you point out where your pain is.
0: yeah,
1: Right. But I always say when it comes to sex, you already know where your pain is. So why don't you map out where your pleasure is? Right. You yeah. can use the concept. And I've done this on, um, my Instagram page, UC logic, yeah. where I tell people to do the red, yellow, green light scenario, right? Where green is like, yes, do this anytime, no matter what. Yellow yeah. is, oh, ask me first. Yeah. And red means absolutely not. Right. Right? And then you can kind of pleasure map. And as you go through your treatment process, you'll, you, you want to go back to that pleasure map and remap it. Right. And watch your progress over time. But I think that if you focus on pleasure being centric and not focusing on what you can't do, what hurts, but focus on what feels good. Yeah. And what you can do. Right. And it, let's say penetration is a problem where you're like, man, anytime initial penetration happens, I feel like I'm being ripped open. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's not do, for example, if you're using a penis, let's not use a penis. Maybe use a finger. If that yeah. doesn't help, then take penetration off the table right. and focus on external genital stimulation or other parts of your body that can give you the similar pleasure. And let that be, let that be the sexy time until you can get the treatment that you need, Ooh. right? And everyone's like, "Oh, that's such a loss. That's such a cop out." No, not really. Pleasure right. is pleasure, right? 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 And except and not putting penetration as the gold standard. I always say that, like, don't put penetration on a pedestal. Yes, that's right? true, right? Don't put penetration on a pedestal. We, you know, what about a really hot makeout session mm. in the back seat of the car? <laughs> I mean, come on. You know, what about some like play some anal play, some inner thigh play, behind the ears. There's so many areas that you can sensitize and develop to be just as delicious and sexy as your vagina. Yeah, that I'm just saying it. Like the world is your oyster. Explore, right? And then let the PT or the doc manage the help you manage the pain in the meantime.
0: Right, right. We have a listener question that just came in while you were just saying this, which. Is amazing. Um, I love it. So Terry writes in and Terry says the same thing that you just said. Hey, y'all, I am having a lot of pain with penetration. I've dealt with this for a really long time and I want to get hot and heavy with my partner, but it's too painful. How do I communicate my feelings and the sensations to my partner in order for him to understand?
1: Absolutely. Okay, so, again, thank you for this question. It's very, very common. And what I always tell people is before you go into that, you know, before you, you know, tell your partner, you first want to think about, okay, what is your goal? You know, do you want your partner to help completely understand what you're going through? Because they're probably not going to completely understand because, but if the goal is to share with your partner your experience of sex and how you want sex to be a pleasurable thing and that you want to engage with him, but just not in the way that you both traditionally view it. That's, I think, a great place to start, right? And allow him to share his concern and then you share your concern and let it be an open dialogue, right? That way that you both are kind of in it to win it, where he's like, man, I had no idea. (laughs) you know, please, how can I help? What can I do? And you can like, actually let's pleasure map each other. Let's figure out other parts of our body that we can enjoy while, you know, we can figure out together what's going on with my vagina and why this pain is occurring. Right.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, that's, that's how I would start is kind of like, let it be a discussion where you share your experience and you're like, listen, I know you're not going to completely understand, but this is how it feels. And this is my desire, these are my goals, to get to a place where I can have penetrative sex and get hot and happy with you, right? But right now, this is where I'm at. So let's pleasure map, figure out how we can make this work in the meantime, and then I'll figure out how to get some treatment.
0: Yeah. This is hard. Or we can figure out how to get some treatment. Right, (laughs) right. Yeah, I think this is really hard. I've had this question pop up a lot over the last couple years, and... You're right. It's I think what you're saying like how much do I want to tell my partner? But also if you do care about your partner and you have those feelings and you want to do it, and it's like everything is pumping and moving but it's just too painful. It does become intimidating to you know take a back seat sometimes and to just say like listen I want you because then that, that's the other thing. Then we start getting into like yeah. partners feeling desire built. Like, do you desire me? And like, what's going on? And a lot, I think that this, this requires a ton of communication for the, for your partner to understand, but for also to, also to like get the words to say, like, I, I enjoy you. I think you are sexy. I think you are all of that. But my body is literally doing a thing that I don't want it to do. Because I think a lot of people, the way that we even talk about sex in the mainstream and just the way that some of us understand sex, it's like, if I'm wet, I'm horny. If, you know, if, um, you know, if the penis is up, like, then, like, they're down with it. But then there are things that, like, our bodies do that we are not in complete control of or that, like, our brains are saying, like, yes, and our bodies are saying, like, get the hell out of here. So... Things happen and it does require a ton of communication and just love and support If wherever we are on that spectrum, whether we're the partner or we're the person experiencing it, to communicate and having someone who's patient and, you know, willing to walk that with us. And like you're saying, like willing to do the pleasure mapping with us and to find other ways, because like, I mean, no one said that you can't go down. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> because like, amazing. I mean, again, I always tell people just because your vagina is off the table doesn't mean sex is off the right. table.
0: It's true. Right. It's
1: true. And, and I, I love what you said about, you know, letting your partner know, Hey, I desire you. Yeah. I want to bone. I want to. Aspect. Yeah. Right. It's just, my body is not, is not doing that. Right. And it, it sucks. And, but I want to be intimate with you. Right. And then I also think, also, my friend, you know, I, I want the, um, the listener to know, you know, this can do, this can take a toll on your self-esteem. Yes. And, and really, 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 really um, be mindful of that. And honestly, do some things, do some kind things to help build yes. up your self-esteem and know that your value and your worth is not just in your vagina, yeah. And I know this seems like a huge body betrayal as many <laughs> of my patients say that, yeah. but know that you're just kind of taking control back Yeah, like that. And the first step of taking control is communicating your experience to your partner. Right. Right. You know that and, 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 you know, giving yourself some grace.
0: Yes. And like you're saying, finding other ways to feel sexy. Because a lot of us associate feeling sexy with, like, all, you know, all hands on deck, everything is going and working and moving at the same time. But, like, as we can hear and see, and which is very common for a lot of us, you may want to feel sexy and do all these things and, like, you know, get the party going, but, like, things aren't happening the way that we want them to go. So please, like... Nurture yourself like you're saying. Be kind to ourselves, but find other ways and tap into what are the other things that make you feel sexy rather than just Absolutely. like the the P and the V or the finger and the V or like the whatever in the V action um, that we sometimes mostly associate with, with, you know, sexiness. Absolutely. Yes. I love it. All right. Dr. UC... I, you know, every time I talk to you, I feel like I have a million more questions and questions and questions and questions, but I'm going to stop. (laughs) I'm going to stop here because that gives us another opportunity, of course, to talk again. And the conversation, of course, is not done. So... Oh, no. Goodness, no. And must I must say that every time I talk with you, I feel like skipping in a
1: field of happy yeah. pelvic floor. Yeah. I mean, it's such a delight. It's such an absolute delight. I'm so glad to be back.
0: Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad you were able to be on. Thank you so much for making the time. So where can we find you? For those who, oh. you know, didn't listen to your past show, which now they're going to, for the new listeners, they're going to go back now and listen. But where can we find your work do you have any upcoming events and how can we support you? Well,
1: I you can find me at UC Logic Y O U S E E Logic on Twitter, Facebook, Facebook and Instagram. Nice. And I am actually taking a break for the rest of the season, yes, and yes, but yes. you'll see me hot and heavy in January, <laughs> busting out with new project, projects, and I will let you know soon in the coming weeks yes. what that is going to look like. But please follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and feel free to check out my website at www.uclogic.com, yes. and I do see private clients. So if you want some consultation, um, I do Zoom interviews. I do all of that, and also in person.
0: Yes. hit me up, y'all. And where are you located, for those who don't know?
1: Oh, I am located in Austin, Texas. I work at UT House Austin. It's part of Dell Medical School. Yes. So that's where you
0: can find me. We only got got scholars on the show, scholars and people who know what they're doing, y'all. So <laughs> <laughs> Dr. UC, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. I can't wait to talk to you again, and thank you for making the time to be with us.
1: Anytime. I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your week. <laughs> Behave yourselves.
0: Okay, ladies, <laughs> now let's get information. I slay. Okay, ladies, <laughs> now let's get information. You know you that bitch when you call all this conversation. Always say gracious.